Hello, ladies. You are listening to the Saludable Latina podcast with Lilia Gomez-Ash. The Saludable Latina podcast started with the intention to raise awareness about women's health topics. But then I quickly realized that the wellness journey is full of transitions. So I expanded my mission to include spirituality, intuitive-led, and lifestyle wellness-focused topics. I am more focused to bring authentic conversations and stories relating for our insight for growth in our own wellness journey. The Saludable Latina community is a group of purposeful women who are smart, passionate, and have a dynamic, diverse point of view and insights that will help many women find growth in the wellness space. And I hope that you are able to learn something from their own personal stories or health advice tips or conversations that we have from woman to woman. So before we get started with episode numero 40, I'm going to let you know a little bit about Liana Farlow. She's actually a holistic reproductive health practitioner, intern, and the founder of The Consultant, your vagina's consultant that is. She is currently studying at Julissa's College and is a member of the Association of Fertility Awareness Professionals. Her work focuses on demystifying the female body, body literacy, and teaching women and people with vaginas ways to connect with their bodies. The consultant is the accumulation of her lifelong pursuit to learn as much as possible about the vagina and the people who have them, physically, emotional, and spiritually. She believes that all female body people should be empowered to know more about their bodies and the way they work. So without further ado, are you ladies ready for episode numero 40? Listas? Here we go! All right, ladies, welcome back to another episode of Saludable Latina Podcast. I have a special guest who I actually met at a workshop in San Diego, and her name is Viana Farlow from The Consultant, and she's actually here based in San Diego, and how are you doing today, Viana? I'm doing pretty well. I mean, you know, all things considered, <laughs> hanging in, being cunty as usual. Yes, and, and if you don't mind me asking why the consultant okay so it's a great question really i just think it's funny i mean ultimately it's kind of a joke like consultant a play on consultant i'm your vagina's consultant um so it started from this idea i wanted to be a menstruation consultant and i was like oh i want to like consult people on their periods and i was like oh i can make this better like let's be a consultant and so the word cunt is like very loaded for lots of people and i understand that i don't have that relationship to the word um, I remember reading, my mom had this book, it was called um, The Women's Encyclopedia of Myths and Secrets. Ooh, sounds like a good book. <laughs> yeah, it's like super thick, it's like from the 80s, it's like very new age. Um, but in there, the woman who wrote the book, I think her name was Barbara Walker, um, she defines cunt as a word that just means woman. And it used to like, it, it's like a word with a real history, entomology, like it has a real, um, beyond just being a curse word, it like used to mean woman but not in a derogatory way and so we also get words like kin and country those are all the same kind of root word mm. so it's like a, it's a real word and like kind of in this idea of like reclaiming words and it's just fun to say and then Ooh. there's like a little bit of like edginess to it yes. but um yeah embracing this idea of you know reclaiming this word and then this idea of like looking at things that are kind of taboo because when it comes to our vaginas when it comes to that part of our body it's kind of taboo so just like going head on like we're gonna confront this we're gonna get in there and it's gonna be fun i love that that you're <laughs> going head on but also reclaiming is what you just said right now because often at times women 
visualize and hear the word and it's actually stigmatized in a negative way but i love the fact that you're actually reclaiming it in a positive way to really take control of your vagina health which is really important and i love the fact that you're saying vagina because you know even women say like vagina you know like they're kind of scared to even say the word and i know across um i know i guess for some latinas who are very traditional they even they really can't express the word they'll just say um la flor you know mm. like the flower and yeah, I'm like, yeah okay the flower you know like you have to take care of it so i'm glad you're here today because you're an expert in being able to educate women in all variety of backgrounds about our women's reproductive health along with menstruation and today's topic is really going to be about how can a woman transition away from the pill and giving tips and pointers but before we get started with that topic what got you into going into the women's health in the consultant yeah for vagina health yeah so i um i've always been into this sort of stuff i can't tell you why it's just like since i was a little kid i was just like interested in herbs and like in traditional things I think like I wanted to be a midwife at seven like I found out what a midwife was I was like I want to be that I don't know if I'll ever be a midwife but I have (laughs) such respect for midwives that was kind of an idea and then just like having this sense of really wanting to know the terms for my body so I have like a lot of attachment to scientific names for body parts so like I like using vagina and vulva and menstruation and a lot of people don't and that's also fine um but I like those words because they mean something specific Mm -hmm. and at some point I learned you know, I was a little kid and I was like, okay, someone told me like, it's really important to like know the names of your body parts because a lot of kids don't. And so I felt really compelled to like learn my body parts. I'm going to know the right names. I'm going to say the names. And then, you know, just always being kind of interested in this and my own health in that way. Going to high school, I became that girl that you went to for like your vagina questions. Like my friends would be like, Vienna, we have a question. I have a question about my period. I have a question about my vagina. And not that, you know, I'd like, what did I know? But I knew a few things. And so I'd like give them whatever information I had on hand or like, you know, like investigating that stuff. So always like very interested in sex, very interested in reproduction and reproductive health. And then I thought I want to be really responsible. So I was always like, okay, I'm going to be responsible with my body. Um, when I have sex, I'm going to make sure I'm like protected. I'm going to make my partners use condoms. And then around 18, when I started to become sexually active, I didn't want to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so I went on the pill because the pill was like the responsible thing to do. Isn't that funny though? Because that is what it was back then. Like if we wanted to take full responsibility and be a productive woman and a successful woman that we were getting on the right plan to be on the pill. Yeah. So when you got on the pill, that was your perspective too, right? Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to be really responsible and then maybe I'll get boobs. Like that was like, (laughs) maybe I'll have boobs. Um, And then, you know, like my mom, my whole life had always been like, don't go on the pill. The hormones are really bad for you. But then I was also like, whatever, mom, (laughs) I'm going to do my own thing. I was the same way. I was like, oh, you're too traditional. This Mm -hmm. is like the new thing. This is the way women take charge of their health. Yeah, yeah. And like there was a whole conversation there too about feeling like um, she was preventing me or like preventing me from expressing myself sexually. And so kind of that's what I kept hearing when people said like she said it. And then we went to like a a nutritionist at one point. He also said, oh, you shouldn't be on the pill. It's bad for you. And I was like, it just sounds like you don't want me to have sex. Like, that's the only, that's all I'm hearing when you say this. And you're not giving me other options. Like, this nutritionist, who in hindsight had some good ideas, but she was like, oh, like, try a diaphragm. I tried a diaphragm, and it gave me a bunch of UTIs. Oh, yeah. She was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going (laughs) to go back on the pill. And I was, like, terrified of becoming pregnant and all these things. Um, 
so that's kind of like that was my first iteration like I'm responsible and I, I was I felt like I was educated on the pill like I knew that I wasn't really having a real period it was a withdrawal bleed mm-hmm. I knew it was suppressing my hormones yes. like I had I had a concept of that but I really wasn't very educated on my menstrual cycle like I didn't really know what ovulation was I didn't really know how it was working I was just like I don't need those hormones I have these hormones like I'm fine I'm not gonna get pregnant mm-hmm. um and then sometime, I, I, I mean, on the pill, I didn't have a lot of side effects. I can't really think back and be like, oh, this thing like happened to me. I think I was a very typical user of the pill. Mm-hmm. Um, but around the age of 24, I decided I wanted to go off the pill because I wanted to know what's happening in my body. I started to do like, I moved to Southern California. Oh. I started to do more like witchy things. <laughs> I got into Reiki. We started to have conversations about like the menstrual cycle and the moon. I was like, I'm just curious. I'm curious about what's happening because I know I'm not having a a real cycle. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what my body's doing if I'm not on this pill. So intuitively, you already felt that. Yeah. You wanted to get a better grasp at what was going on with your body. And then you came to California, (laughs) you know, and it was probably already because there were some holistic practices Mm -hmm. and practitioners out here. And we didn't have access to that back then. And I wish we would have had that like in elementary and high school and be like, if you're going to get on the pill, this is what can happen. And then if you don't want to get on the pill, having that option, which in reality, you came into tune to finding out with what was the whole holistic practice with your own body literacy. So what did you learn? Yeah. So I went off, I went off the pill and I, but I didn't, I still don't want to get pregnant. And so someone pointed me towards taking charge of your fertility, which is like the Bible of fertility awareness. And I read that book and it blew my mind because at age 24, I'd been menstruating for over a decade and no one had bothered to explain to me what ovulation was or that like there's signs of ovulation and that like we actually have scientific data that tells us like when you are fertile and when you are not, Mm -hmm. that you can't get pregnant every day of your menstrual cycle, that in fact, it's like maybe a week that you can actually get pregnant and the rest of the time you can't, it's physiologically impossible. So that made me really angry. And also it was like very thrilling because it was all this information that I wasn't aware I I could have. And it Mm -hmm. just like really lit me up. And I wanted to go shout this good news to everyone. And I did. So like I was motivated by anger and joy. (laughs) It was like very motivating. Um, So I started to like try to chart a little bit using that method in that book. Then I didn't trust myself because I didn't have an educator. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I think I believe in this. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not sure I can trust myself to do this. And I went, I got a copper IUD. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get the IUD. And then I could chart too because I know the IUD isn't suppressing my hormones in the same way. Mm-hmm. I didn't chart because it was just like, oh, I have the IUD. Mm-hmm. And then along that route, I had come across Justice, the Justice method, Justice College. And that is a method of fertility awareness. It's a symptothermal method. So we're looking at basal body temperature, your waking temperature, and then um, the symptoms being like mucus, mm-hmm. cervical mucus, cervical fluid. And I came across that. I was like, I don't want to do that now. And then I, and then something kept like calling me back. And so I found it again and they had an educator program. So you, you can train to be someone who teaches this method. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I know I want to work with women. Mm-hmm. I know I want to work in like menstrual health. I know I don't want to be a doctor, mm-hmm. but where, where, where's like the other place I can get in there. Yeah. And it was the holistic reproductive health program, re, holistic reproductive health practitioner program through Justice that ultimately took me there. Nice. So I decided I wanted to do that program and I had to like walk my talk. So I learned the Justice method. I got my IUD removed. So I did a little bit of charting with the IUD and then was like, oh, this isn't really working. Mm-hmm. And then got it removed and just like went full in. So 
that's what brings me here. So I started yes. the Justice program. So I'm still like, I'm wrapping up my studies now um, to be a holistic reproductive health practitioner or HRHP. Nice. And so we are trained to teach the Justice method of fertility awareness for people who want to use it for natural birth control, for people who want to get pregnant, or just for body literacy, which ultimately is what you're learning. Yeah. And everything else is a side effect. Like the side effect is that you know how to use it for birth control or you know how to use it to get pregnant. Really yeah. what we're doing is we're getting this whole new view of how our menstrual cycle works and what that means for our body. Because it's not just about making babies. It's mm. about your total health. Yes. So your menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign of your body. It shows you like you know, like our blood pressure and heart rate, all those things, the menstrual cycle gives us a window into our overall health when we track it and look at it a little bit more in depth. So yeah. it has so much value beyond babies. Yes. Yeah. And I love the fact that you're actually making that point across because most women be like, well, I don't have to track my cycle because I'm not with the intention of trying to get pregnant. But you just actually mentioned something really important and vital is that Fertility is for your overall reproductive health in your woman's health, you know, mm. which leads to even heart conditions yeah. and knowing your own basal body temperature as well as your hormonals when they fluctuate. Because, you know, every year we're like growing and hormonally changing and we have to learn those cues, you know, because the doctor for one is not going to teach you. Mm-hmm. Neither is the nurse unless they have a full hour to say, okay, I'm going to sit down and really explain, you know, what your body is capable of because mm-hmm. our bodies are very unique and capable of so much so we had this window of opportunity to get you know your hhr right h r h r h p now i'm getting confused okay, HRHP. um we were working on that goal um and discovering like wow like this information is so like like why is it not out sooner and more accessible so when you were going through that training what were your thoughts yeah, a lot of thoughts. So it's a really in-depth training. It's a, a two-year program. It's self-paced. So people like me sometimes take a little bit longer. But we go, like, we start with, like, the history of birth control, like, the history of that in primarily in the United States and Canada. It's a Canadian-based program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking at, like, where we've come from mm-hmm. and understanding, like, where we are now. Yeah. And I think, like, ultimately, the, so the, the science that we use for fertility awareness-based methods, and this is kind of across methods, but I can only really speak to this method in particular, but we started to get this like precise science in the 1920s that being said like women people with menstrual cycles we've known like this stuff for a very long time it's not like it's new like the the whole idea of the calendar comes from menstrual cycle charting Mm -hmm. so that's what we say like this is why we started having calendars is because women had menstrual cycles Mm -hmm. so again like this these concepts aren't new by any means but the science is kind of relatively new so in the 1920s we started to understand like the female sex hormones and then there's also research into cervical mucus and like understanding the correlation between cervical mucus and fertility. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's newer, but we've had, we've had this, we've had lots of studies and science around this for a long, long time. Um, and then natural family planning is what comes out of that. And that's traditionally Catholic. And so it was like the only method that Catholics don't have sex. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like what Catholics could use for birth control. Yeah. So um, you would just be abstinent during fertile yes. times for spacing children. And so it yeah. was used as a method, not really to prevent having children, but to just space them. Yeah. And so it's kind of comes out of that tradition. Although fertility awareness typically is secular. So natural family planning, more religious, fertility awareness, more secular. 
Um, so I think the reason, one, that we don't know more about this is people don't know about it. Mm. So you might, like, if you're raised Catholic, you might be aware of it. But I think some people who are raised Catholic don't even know about it until, like, they go to get married and they get marriage counseling. Uh, or either seeing their first OBGYN after having sex after marriage. Mm, yeah. Um, and I can say in the Latino household, you know, um, most um, young girls, moms and parents will say, you're not going to be in a relationship until you get married and you're not Mm going to have sex until you get married. So there goes the, you know, trying to be abstinent, but you know, there's always the rebellious ones that are going to, most people don't do that. Yeah. They're going to peak because there's going to be a certain point in a teenager's girl's life where Mm -hmm. they feel that hormonal rise. Right. And that's like the, what is that arousal that I'm getting? And then Mm -hmm. they're self exploratory to finding out, um, masturbation before they even have sex, you Mm -hmm. know? So, as you were learning all this vital, juicy information, yeah, how do you feel about our Western family planning here in the states and what you're learning? Yeah, so kind of going back to the same question though, like around like why don't we know this sooner? I think it's fear. So there's like a lot of fear, right? With like, so I think in the way we do counseling around contraceptives in general, mm-hmm. the fear of pregnancy. We're very motivated by an efficacy to prevent pregnancy, and then talking about pregnancy as if it's a disease. Yeah. So there's like a lot of conversation, I think like the entire way through pregnancy, but especially like preventing pregnancy in the same way we prevent pregnancy in the same way we prevent STDs or we prevent measles. Like it's like, it's, it's talked about as a disease state. And so this a lot of fear around teenage girls getting pregnant, Mm -hmm. like without being in a stable relationship, like married or like too young. So I think that's why we don't learn about it as teenagers. One, it's like, oh, well, it requires a great deal of personal responsibility, and it does. But some teenagers, I think, would be capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. At least, like, having this information, whether or not you want to use it for birth control, I think is very important. Yeah. So I think it's fear, one. I also think it's ignorance. I think a lot of providers, medical professionals, don't know about this information. And then if they do, they might not tell it to people, you know, like, if they feel like, oh, this would be, like, not the best option for you, they might yes. withhold that information. Mm-hmm. Um, not being a doctor or a medical professional, I can't really speak to that directly, but... That's kind of what I've um, heard and seen. So I think there's fear and there's ignorance. And then this lack of trust uh, that happens between um, patient and doctor sometimes where it says, well, I am the professional. I know what's best for you because I have a medical degree. Yes. And you don't. So therefore, I have to tell you what's best for you. Yeah. And so the method that I come from, the position I'm coming from, is this idea of like, you know what's best for you. I might have more knowledge in this field than you do, but you know what's best for you. And my role is really to like lay out the options for you and for you to decide what's your most motivating factor. So for some people, like prevent, like the efficacy to prevent pregnancy is their number one um, interest, right? Like how effective is this at preventing pregnancy? But other people, it might be how reversible is this method? I want to have more children. I want to have children very soon. Like how reversible is this? Other people, it might be, do I need to see a doctor to get this removed? Like, can I stop taking it when I don't want to? Other people might be like, how long will this stay in my system if I have adverse effects? Um, Will this impact other parts of my life? Things like libido, mood changes. Oh, girl. (laughs) Right? I've seen so many women um, when I was doing women's case management. um, If they would have known the topics that you were just mentioning... Um, what's the reversal? How long do I have to be on this if mm. I want to have kids? What's the libido? Is there an effect on libido? Um, yeah. Hormonal balance. 
And literally, really, some providers don't provide that information. And yeah. I can probably say maybe even to the extent of some health educators because I don't know how extensive these um, providers are being with information that is really not presentable at clinics and hospitals. Once again, um, I'm sure the training that you're taking is not implemented in a university. Yes. Right? So, so it's like it's very specific knowledge. And again, like not to bash doctors in any way, yeah, but like they're busy. Not. They have they're a lot busy. of like yeah. they have a lot to do. Um, but also I think this is a part that is like, um, a little bit like neglected to a lot of people's detriment. So we're not often given fully informed consent about hormonal birth control because at this point we've been, had the pill around for what, it's like 60 years almost. It's been around for a long time time. and it's, it's just seen as like totally normal. And so to the point where doctors now have an entirely different view of the menstrual cycle and we all do really Mm -hmm. than we had like maybe our mothers and definitely our grandmothers perhaps had so like that so the history of the pill too is that when they developed the pill in the 50s to be like this like revolutionary birth control method Mm -hmm. because again remember at that time we didn't have anything like this it was like withdrawal if you could find a condom and no one judged you for that you could use that you had maybe a diaphragm but like we didn't have good methods and so the pill like really revolutionized our ability to control our fertility and like Mm -hmm. that is phenomenal but also at that time um women saw their menstrual cycles and like women whoever has you know not just to say women have menstrual cycles but women in particular um viewed their menstrual cycles more as a health indicator and like if you if you got your period it meant you weren't pregnant it meant you were healthy if it went away if your period went away that was seen as problematic so when they first developed the pill so to say like when you're on the pill you're not really having a real period you're having withdrawal bleed that week that you have your period Mm -hmm. is just the hormonal withdrawal like you go off of the hormones you bleed a little bit and then you go back on the hormones and it regulates so you're not really having a real period but the reason we have that there, because you don't really need it. Like when you're on the pill, you're not ovulating. So you're yeah. not having a period. So there's no point really in having any kind of bleed. But they built it in because it freaked women out. Because they were so used to having a period every month. Mm-hmm. When they would go like, you know, they were like experimenting with like 60 and 85 day cycles on these pills. People would like be terrified. They lost their period. They thought they were pregnant. They thought there was something wrong. And so they built in this like synthetic cycle kind of for aesthetics yeah so it's kind of like to be able to let women know like okay we're gonna get you on the birth control pill so don't freak out you're still gonna bleed but it's not really gonna be your real menstruation it's yeah. just gonna be like masking and that's i think <laughs> like, when they when they first started talking about it that's yeah. probably how they described it to women but now because we live in an era in which we've had the pill for like decades and yeah. generations doctors will tell you like go on the hormone go on hormonal birth control go on the pill it'll regulate your period it does yes. not regulate your period. It mm. shuts down your endocrine system. Yes. And then you have this like fake withdrawal bleed that's built in because you're withdrawing from the synthetic hormones. So that's a thing that drives me crazy, but I see it everywhere. Like you see it on the information packets, you see it when doctors explain to you, but that's not really what's happening. It's not regulating anything. It's shutting it off and then replacing it. I also think too, like, not, like I agree with you, like not to say we're bashing on doctors because I love working with doctors. You know, I work with many providers who are, have been amazing providers and some that I kind of question at times, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, but you know. Um, at the same time, I also feel like in their line of work, when they were studying their degree, it wasn't implemented because exactly. all, all they know how to do is treat the disease. And I hate to say that sometimes women's health is looked at as, as a disease. It totally is. You know, and I, it's kind of like, 
oh, mind bottling. I want to choke but that's them out sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but see, that's like, that's like the foundations of women's health is yeah. women's health is based on this idea that women are broken and like our bodies are inferior to men's bodies yes. and that there's something inherently wrong with us. So like we could go like all different ways with this. Like the concept of hysteria is like, Hysteria means like your uterus is like moving around in your body. Like that's like what hysteria means. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like a blanket term for like women being problematic and like everything from like you're too sexually active to like you keep complaining about pain. Like that's, you know, it's kind of yeah. a just like catch all for like you're being too noisy. Please be quiet. Yeah. And it's kind of sad that sometimes providers look at women's health in that perspective yeah um, and it's but it, it is like the foundations of how gynecology came to be so yes. like that is something that's important to remember mm-hmm. not and not to say that all providers approach it from that perspective but that is kind of like the mainstream medical perspective is that there's something wrong with us innately yeah i hate that yeah um, and then the one last thing i want to say too yeah. about the pill is it was the first time we had medication that was given daily to healthy people i know we're not yeah. even sick yeah okay so Thank you for bringing that up because after I was on the pill and I was on the pill for um, about six years, same time, uh, about the same time from as Cindy was, and we were mm-hmm. talking a lot. Um, and I was like thinking, why am I taking a pill? I think after my fifth or sixth year, a pill when I'm not even sick. Yeah. And that's when I started to like grasp like something's not right. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided to discuss it with my husband, who at the time was my boyfriend. It's like mm-hmm. I'm getting off the pill, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna you know, make sure that we are, we really know when my menstruation, ovulation and all that. And blessfully, I was able to not get pregnant because I took charge of my yeah. body. And I said, no, you know, I'm not going to let a pill take charge of me and depend on this pill to rely on what I should know and take responsibility for. But once again, there's that word responsibility mm-hmm. that sometimes it's an inconvenience for some women mm-hmm. because we live in a fast paced world. And then they're going to tell me, I just don't have time for that. Yeah. I just want the quickest, fastest solution. Mm-hmm. But then also they're not aware of the long-term effects right. that it has. So when you were discovering your training, getting off the pill, and then charting, when did you have the aha moment that you wanted to be a consultant? <laughs> yeah, so it all kind of happened at the same time. It was like I had this realization. I was at like a workshop, and they presented the question, what would what would be the thing that you could stay up all night talking about and then like sleep for two hours and then get up and keep talking about it? And it's like it's probably vaginas. Yeah. And so that's kind of where it came out of. And then this, but this piece of information. So I, I kind of consider myself. I'm not super scientific, but I consider myself to be kind of a science and magic person. Yeah. So like I like the science. I like having data. I like having an evidence based thing. Mm-hmm. But I also like a good dose of magic in there and like stuff that isn't maybe evidence based. And this feels like a good bridge between those two. So I have like, you know, we have again real knowledge about the menstrual cycle. Our bodies aren't a mystery. Our wombs are not a mystery. There's like a lot of information that people know. There's a lot of information that we've learned through Western medicine. And then there's a lot of information that Western medicine refuses to acknowledge or bring up enough that we find in other modalities. Yeah. So to say like, if you're having painful periods, if you don't want to be on the pill, if you know, you have fibroids or cysts or anything like things like that. There's a lot of options available to you. Your, um, you know, OBGYN might not be the person to give you all the options. So this is where we have to become our own self advocates, yes. which I think is so important. But then also I acknowledge like not everyone has time to do it. But 
I think that's the most important thing we can do for ourselves is to like learn how to take care of our bodies, understand our bodies, and then advocate for ourselves because unfortunately no one else is really going to do it for us. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you because I think it also takes um, patient responsibility to know what they have access to. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately with the Western med um, and the holistic practice, the way I see it is that sometimes it's not implemented into the Western um, med medical systems because... In a way, they're going to be like, well, how can we charge for an educational cons- consultation? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in other words, instead of just making it a quick route where they can get a medication bill for it, insurance yeah. and get them discharged right away and they have more control that way. So it's still, I'm still a working force trying to penetrate those systems. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, not much not much luck. And that's why I started the Saludable Latina space for not just Latina women, but for all women, because I think there is a space that's much needed. Just like when you started your journey as well as you saw that there's a space needed mm-hmm. because in your own revelation, you're like, oh, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and just being like, if I'm confused, like other people are definitely confused. And then it's like, yeah. you know, I go out and I teach and I tell people about the menstrual cycle and most of us don't know anything about it. And we've been bleeding and men, you know, ovulating for decades and no one has explained this to us. And we didn't think it mattered because yeah. no one has shown value. We haven't, we, we're not modeled value in our female bodies. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not given value in the menstrual cycle. That doesn't seem to have value. It only is given value when you're trying to have a baby. So like often yeah. it'll be like, oh, don't worry about if your periods are painful or if they're awful. Like just go on the pill. You don't have to think about it until you want to get pregnant. And a lot of women do that. Like a lot of people end up going on the pill at like 16 and maybe they don't even go on it for, you know, for sex, like for contraceptive. Yeah. They go on it because they have acne or they have heavy yeah. periods or something is uncomfortable. And, you know, again, like, let's not suffer. Mm-hmm. But what happens when we do that as a teenager is it shuts down your developing endocrine system. It shuts down your developing ovaries and your entire reproductive system gets quieted and it never has a chance to fully develop. Yeah. So then you're 16 and then you keep taking hormonal birth control it, you know, you're, it's going well for you. It's, it works. And then let's say like 15 years later, you decide, okay, now is the good time to like try and have a baby. And then you go off the pill. And whereas you were told like, oh, you'll just go off of it. And you like, you know, might not get pregnant right away, but you should get pregnant really fast. And then you don't get pregnant. And then you don't get pregnant. Your period doesn't come back and you keep trying and nothing is happening. And then you you're like, okay, we've been trying to get pregnant. We've been having all the unprotected sex. This should have been easier. I was so afraid of getting pregnant. And then it's much harder than you expected. Mm-hmm. And so that has a lot to do with, like, it has something to do with age. This is a fact. Like, yeah. women, female bodies are not fertile for their entire lives. Yeah. Um, we go into perimenopause around the age of 40, mm. which is just means, like, the time around menopause. Yeah. And then menopause is around age 50, and that's the <laughs> cessation of menstruation it's the ending of menstruation it's the ending of ovulation I, I was reading it and i was like oh god that sounds like we need to get like blessed to enter that stage of our life like <laughs> yes absolutely you do awesome. and like there's not enough information about these things but the fact being like our fertility has a has finite time so the older you get the harder it is to get pregnant because your body starts to wind down that system because it's not meant to live forever You're, you have it for a certain period of time and then it goes away so if you've been on the, you know, the pill that's suppressing your hormones, it's shutting off your ovaries, you're not having that communication, you're not having the, your natural hormones, it can take a while to get pregnant. Not everyone, like some people get pregnant right away and it's a healthy pregnancy. 
Some people get pregnant and they keep having recurrent miscarriages. Some people, it takes, they don't have a period at all. And then, you know, that's a whole nother conversation about going down an assisted reproduction, like using IVF or things like that. And those things are absolutely necessary in so many cases. But the fundamental fact in this example is this person's ovaries didn't have a chance to fully develop. And it's not to say like, you're screwed. (laughs) There's lots of stuff you can do, like helping your body to come back online. And so the other myth that we're given when we, when we take the pill is that our bodies think we're pregnant Mm -hmm. and we, it's not true. It's not a state of pregnancy. Pregnancy is a state in which you are producing so many hormones, like all of the hormones, like it's Mm -hmm. crazy, like abundant hormone season. What the pill is actually doing is putting into a state of menopause. So you're in temporary sterility. Like that's what's happening. So having that said, um, that you get into this stage of possibly perimenopause, like, could it be possible that women who are transitioning off the pill can be experiencing early signs of menopause in their thirties? Yeah. So you could, so yeah, that's a good point. So you, when you transition off the pill, a lot of different things can happen. So as your body one detoxes the synthetic hormones, which it has to do, like the other thing to say is the hormones that are in your birth control are synthetic. They're made to look like and behave like your hormones that you would create normally, but they are not. They're actually like alien substances. They're not, they would never be found in nature. And part of the reason is that if you make a synthetic hormone, you can patent that and make money off of it. We do have bioidentical hormones, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which are identical to the hormones that we create and behave exactly the same way. But since they exist in nature, you can't patent it and you can't make money off of it in the same way you can if you create your own hormone. Um, I'm like synthetic hormones, right? Yeah, yeah synthetic <laughs> hormones. So money maker. Yeah. So um, yeah, when you transition off synthetic hormones, your body has to detox those. You can see a bunch of stuff. You could see like you might not have a period at all for a while. Your period might come and go sporadically. You might have random bleeding. Um, you could have some perimenopausal symptoms like hot flashes, maybe stuff like that. But that should go away over time as you like detox and take care of yourself. Um, the hormonal birth control is known to deplete certain minerals like folate folic acid is depleted at a very high rate with it so you'd want to bring back those minerals into your diet make sure that like what you can do to like support your liver health and support your ovaries coming back online it would be like the best thing to do in that case but coming off the pill you can see a variety of things so you could see like a luteal phase so the last half of your cycle the second half of your cycle after ovulation can be short or long or long like that usually it's kind of short like it can get short and then it can get long and then get short yeah. that phase should remain stable normally um you can see a lot of mucus you could see like continuous mucus every day can I touch on that? Yeah. Um, because I remember in most young girls that I talk to at times, because they come to me like, oh, what does it mean when I have an over-excessive mucus? I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you're healthy. You mm-hmm. That's yeah. healthy. Unless you have a yeast infection, then you have to go, right. you know, get treated for the yeast infection. But they don't teach that, too. I remember taking um, my fourth grade lesson, mm-hmm. what was supposed to be sexuality, administration, health, was just, here's the pad. So when you menstruate, right. make sure you use it. That was my yep. pretty, a little video in the pad. It was just like, okay, uh, what is this? I remember like the mucus and I'm like, what, is, what is something this? wrong with mm-hmm. me? And I th- young girls approach me. It's like, is something wrong with me because I'm experiencing this? I'm like, oh no, you're just healthy. Your, your vagina telling you, hey, I'm here, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So like maybe we should back up and like talk about the menstrual cycle real quick. <laughs> yeah. So like what a healthy menstrual cycle would look like is you'd have, and the menstrual cycle really means 
the day of your the first day of your period to the day before your next period. And so on average, that's 28 days, but a healthy cycle could be like 26 to 35 days. Like that range would be considered healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's like room, there's space in there, but that would be it. You bleed for like three to five days, maybe like, you know, three to seven, somewhere in there. And then you have a period of time right after you finish bleeding where you're not seeing anything coming out of your vagina. There's like, it's kind of feels dry. Like if you wipe, it doesn't feel like there's much there. I call it the dry spell. The dry Dry spell. spell. Exactly. It's a dry (laughs) spell. And then you start to see mucus. So like you go into this phase and when you start to see mucus, that tells you that you're gearing up for ovulation. So when you see mucus, that is when you are fertile. Mm -hmm. So there's like, there's more like nuance to that, but essentially mucus equals fertility mm-hmm. when you're having that dry spell spell generally speaking that's an infertile time you can't get pregnant when you start to see mucus you can get pregnant mm-hmm. so then behave accordingly whatever you're trying to do mm-hmm. so and then like some people will see like it'll be kind of like creamy kind of like yogurt or hand lotion mm-hmm. and then it'll start to look more like raw egg whites mm-hmm. and everyone's kind of like different what they see but that's like a very typical pattern. So like raw egg whites, stretchy, mucusy, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like we call it cervical mucus. Um, that's produced and you'll see it like you might see it in your underwear. You might see it when you wipe. wipe. You mm-hmm. might feel like very juicy. Yeah. You know? Thank you for saying yeah. that. You know, our vaginas just speak. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Juicy so down yeah. there when yeah. that happens. And I remember like at a younger age, I was like, what is that? You know, like, why does it feel so wet? Yeah, did I I wet my pants? Like, what's happening? Yeah. Um, But I'm glad you you brought that up, the different faces and really getting to know the discrepancy of the texture because often at times young girls don't know that. Yeah. And I think I learned more probably towards when I was like in my late teens, early 20s. That's when I learned more about the mucusy parts. The egg white. Yeah, we're doing all these hand motions. Lubrication. I know. We can't (laughs) see our hands, but you know, we're like, oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that'll be like, that's obvious. Like that's your ovulatory phase. And so the phase before that, like the dry spell and menstruation, that's called the follicular phase or Mm pre-ovulation. And then you ovulate. And so that's like the little egg is released out of your ovary. And it, you know, travels into a little fallopian tube and it hangs out waiting to see maybe if there'll be some sperm. So after ovulation is completed, your body then starts to produce progesterone, which it was producing mainly estrogen beforehand, the ovaries were, and then the ovaries switch over and start producing progesterone. And progesterone dries up all that mucus. And it also prevents you from ovulating again. So you can only ovulate once. Mm -hmm. And then progesterone prevents that from happening again. And then that second half of your cycle, the luteal phase or the post-ovulatory phase, remains relatively stable. So when I said earlier, like when you come off the pill, that phase might like kind of, again, I'm doing a thing with my hands, Mm -hmm. um, but it might be shorter, might be longer, it might kind of fluctuate, but it should be stable like that phase of your cycle. So when you know, when you can pinpoint ovulation, you can pinpoint when you're going to get your next period, Yeah, which is like so helpful. Like, I mean, who doesn't want, who wants to be caught off guard by their period? No one. No one. Unless you don't track it and unless you don't track it so it's like another benefit to tracking it's like oh i'm never gonna ruin another pair of white underwear again well that's (laughs) never gonna happen because we're always gonna ruin another pair of white underwear i mean don't say it too loud right (laughs) yeah so um so that's basically what happens in your menstrual cycle and then that like that second half the luteal phase is also a dry spell and so you can't get pregnant once you have ovulated the egg only lives for like up to maybe 24 hours Mm -hmm. and then you can't get pregnant again and then cervical mucus the reason we have it it's produced under the influence of estrogen. But the reason it's there is to keep sperm alive. Because yes. sperm, like, are very sensitive. They're 
very very sensitive yeah. and the vagina is normally acidic and just like kills sperm like it's just a sperm killing machine denied yeah <laughs> denied yeah like not now not today um so the cervical mucus is alkaline and creates this nice beautiful environment for sperm to live in and they actually like travel in the cervical mucus and hang out in the cervix and little cervical crypts and then they travel upwards to see if there's an egg in the fallopian tubes but if it wasn't for cervical mucus it would be super hard to get pregnant Mm -hmm. and like it would be super hard for sperm to survive so that's why, like, when you first start to see mucus, you want to, like, avoid getting semen near the mucus because that's what, like, keeps them alive. So when people say, oh, sperm live up to five days in the body, they do, but only under the presence of cervical mucus and in the cervix in particular. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And thank you so much for describing the transition off the pill and then really getting to know your luteal phase with your obviously phase, menstrual phase, and, um all the faces in between because it is a lot but I love the fact that you really know from a personal perspective because you not only just studied it but you were experiencing your your journey with your adjustments in your body literacy and getting off the pill and IUD and charting and what the bible like what (laughs) why are we not access to this so I love the fact that you make it very personal because you make it very relatable as a woman and I can already feel like the energy. I can feel so comfortable just diving really deep into conversations. But when you are actually um, providing services, where can one look for you if there's a woman that has a question saying, oh my God, I need to get Bianca's help to find out more information about how to transition off the pill or maybe getting to know more about their fertility awareness. Like where can women find you if they're wanting to get those consultants with you yeah so um instagram is one place to find me so it's the consultant but cunt is spelled with a v so it looks like cavant sultant maybe we can link it somewhere yeah or my website thecuntsultant.com and so what i offer is i offer one-on-one sessions with women and anyone with a menstrual cycle quite honestly where we like go over the method first like i I teach you like all the things about your body that you didn't learn anywhere else and then how to use this method effectively it's a very standardized method so there's like a particular way to use it and then we just meet like one-on-one for several weeks usually most people find like it's about like three-ish months they feel very confident. Some people up to six months, I'd I'd say like when you're transitioning off of hormonal birth control, because it can be kind of weird, you might want like a little bit more time. But what I can offer with that is I help guide you through this process that can be so scary. Because again, we're also afraid of getting pregnant. A lot of us, right? There's like a lot of deep-seated fear around pregnancy that we have learned maybe from our families, but also from the culture. And like, don't get pregnant at the wrong time. And then like, you can get pregnant, but only under like very specific circumstances that are okay. And then like, Adding on like race and class to that is a whole other conversation. But what you what you get when you work with an educator is that I can help guide you through that process so it's less terrifying. So there's like you can talk through like what's afraid what you're afraid of. I can help um, guide you on like if you're using the method appropriately, like you know, make corrections on your charts, review your charts. So one, it's like deciding like, okay, are you using this correctly? based on what you've learned, can I answer any questions, can I help guide you further? And then also we're looking at the health of your cycle because when you come off the pill again or the patch and a marina IUD, things like that, um, your cycle is going to be weird and it's going to be unhealthy because it is coming back online. And that can make charting sometimes really frustrating or confusing because you're not gonna be seeing those textbook cycles you might, but like generally speaking, most people won't see that for a little bit of time. So having someone guide you through it really takes a lot of the anxiety out of the experience and helps you like 
feel way more confident. Like I've gotten that feedback from clients a lot is that having my guidance there, like any educator's guidance helped to like make it seem approachable and doable. Cause it seems like very overwhelming. You're like, Oh my yeah. God, I have to like do this every day and I have to be responsible. Oh my God. But yeah. it's, it's really yeah. not, it's, Yes, there's a there's a very high level of personal responsibility, but it's not rocket science. But it is you make very it simple. Very accessible. Yeah. Um, also, to to the point where they can understand more versus them feeling overwhelmed. Exactly. And I think that's why it's really great that you're here in San Diego and accessible in San Diego. But do you travel if a women are seeking, like I guess, in Orange County or? LA? Yeah. So you, I work with people remotely all the time. So nice. we can work online, and I have lots of clients like that, awesome. and it's great. And we use like you know video conferencing and all those things so I work with people all over the place yeah and this is I mean the real thing to say is that this is it takes work and it takes some education but then you have this for the rest of your life and this is a method that isn't going to impact your health negatively in fact it will impact your health positively regardless of what you're trying to do with your fertility like if you never want to get pregnant you can still use this method also, if you want to have six children, you can use this method. Like it's, it's, it's very versatile for whatever it is you want to do. And so really what I'm trying to do with my work is help people come back to their bodies and understand that you are your own expert. You have autonomy over yourself and you get to make decisions for your body because so often we're told we can't. We don't have the education to make decisions for our own bodies. And that's ludicrous because the yeah. fact that you have the body means that you are the expert. So it's also kind of an embodiment practice, which is really great and then also can be like really overwhelming because if anyone's you know if you've ever done an embodiment practice like even just yoga can be so intense and potentially triggering or just like bring up a lot of stuff because if we're dissociating out of our bodies there's a good reason we're doing that Mm -hmm. so it's also like it seems like such a simple thing but it can be so it can bring up so much for you when you have to like confront like your menstrual cycle and your fertility and all these things that maybe you've just been able to ignore for a long time. I mean, I think in my personal journey, when I started to know more about my body literacy and my menstruation, as I was, you know, a young Latina woman thinking I knew it all and I was still self-exploratory with, you know, like I don't know it all and I'm still learning and love coming across providers like you and health educators like you that are in the movement and the women's health movement because we're always learning something new and it also brings up a lot of fear too because we didn't address certain things when we were a child or a preteen that resurfaced as a woman mm-hmm. and I love that you're embodying that into your consultations <laughs> because I think it is important to address any inner work that needs to be done so that way externally you can receive as you're transitioning and learning all of that great knowledge that you have that is so vital for our communities and our women to know that you exist Mm -hmm. and that you're in san diego and accessible you can do video calling conference calling and you do remote as well Mm -hmm. um if women have questions where can they reach you so again reaching me through my website is probably the best way to do it you can contact me there so again it's the cuntsultant.com um instagram is also good but i'm probably going to be more responsive on email okay (laughs) either one is fine yeah (laughs) awesome and any other tips as far as books books yes so again this is a method you can learn on your own um and there's i'm only representing one method there are lots of other methods out there so you know maybe taking charge of your fertility is a great place to start i'd say for a lot of people it's thick but it's full of information and they do like she does like a breakdown of other methods in there so it gives you more information on what else is available to you because there's a lot of different ways to do this and this is just one way um taking charge of your fertility is great 
There's also a really great book by a colleague of mine who also graduated from Justice, Lisa Hendrickson Jack. Um, it's called The Fifth Vital Sign. Just oh, came out. Okay. So, and she's a really wonderful resource. That's a really great book. Um, if you're looking for things to like help your periods, like if you if one of the reasons you went on the pill is because you have really painful periods, um, another book I'd recommend is The Period Repair Manual by Lara Bryden. She's a naturopathic doctor, and she gives a lot of advice on like how to make like how to s- actually heal what's happening in your body. Um, kind of a DIY approach, but can be so useful. So those are good places to start. Justice has a user's guide. So the Justice Method user's guide, you can get it on my website, you can get it on the Justice website, you can get it on Amazon, and you can just get that manual and read through it and teach yourself. So lots of people do that, and that's a really incredible way to learn. Um, Let's see what else. I think those are like my top three. There's so many, I mean, there's so many great books out there. Um, do you have a list on your website of recommended books? I will one day. (laughs) I'm going to make one. Yeah. I talk about them a lot, but, and also are, do you have, well, you know, most, most of the time we call them agendas and most mm-hmm. of the time we're tracking our calendars, but have you created anything like that for women? If they're like, oh my God, I'm, work- I'm working with Viana, but I also, she created this cool little agenda to like- That would be so cool. You're giving me such great ideas. <laughs> it comes with like embody empowerment quotes and- So we're going to talk about that as yeah. a merchandising idea after this. Okay. Um, no, I haven't created anything like that yet. I, I mean, at the moment that we use like Justice has its own charting method, so I'm sticking with that. Okay. But this is a great idea for yes. the future. Justice also has an app. So if you want to like use that instead, it's web-based so you can do that oh and then another book I just thought of is The Wild Genie by Alexandra Pope and that one is I think a really good place to start if you want to like become friends with your menstrual cycle Uh if again like you've had a really challenging relationship with men's whatever with your periods all these things The Wild Genie kind of gives you like both an emotional and physical yeah. way to like connect to those places which is so important yeah and yeah. see like you know maybe like it's a good place to start if you're feeling a lot of resistance so, like sure I'd like to do this but also my uterus hates me on a personal level and I don't want to go off this pill totally understand that but this might be another way to like see a different perspective that might be helpful to you Awesome. Well, ladies, there you go. You heard it from the expert herself, Vienna Farlow. And you can also look her up on Instagram as the consultant, I believe. And make sure you follow her because she comes up with some great information as well as posts on Instagram. And I love your yellow background and red vibes. And I'm like, damn, this girl owns it. (laughs) (laughs) So that is all for today, chicas. If you have any further questions, you can also email me at lasaludablelatina at gmail.com. And I'm hoping to have or Vienna for another other episode because I think there's so many topics to be covered so much to talk about so much to talk about so we need to do a live next time let's do it let's yeah. do it all right thank ladies. you so much for thank having you so me much. <laughs> bye